Welcome to the December edition of the Walleye World Podcast. This is part two. Here, it's all walleye fishing all the time, and we're talking structure fishing on the Great Lakes. You can also apply it to other bodies of water, but we have Eric Carlson this week on the line, and we're going to chat about how to apply trolling techniques with those offshore boards and casting to dissect water and where those walleyes are holding. So you definitely want to check this out. Again, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe using iTunes or whatever device that you have. And we appreciate your continued listening. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Hello. Hey, Eric. It's Rob Barnes going. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I got you loud and clear on my end. So with me today is uh, Eric Carlson. He's a professional walleye angler out of Alpena, Michigan. Fishes many different tours to include the Masters Walleye Circuit, Michigan Walleye Tour. Eric, am I missing any? Um, that's pretty much what I'm fishing now. Um, I did I did uh, did fish as a co-angler in the, the National Walleye Tour, and uh, maybe looking to do a little bit more of that, and uh, maybe even jump in on the pro side here uh, in the near future too. So. Um, but yeah, I uh, enjoy fishing all those circuits, and, and uh, you know it's kind of kind of come come full circle here. I uh, started out uh, fishing down in Lake Erie. I, my my family had a cottage on Point Pelee when I was younger, and uh, kind of cut my teeth down there. Really, mm-hmm. tell us what you do for a living. Um, I am a full time art instructor at Alcona Community Schools. Um, I teach. Uh, well, I guess my title is K-12 art teacher, but uh, we just we just hired a uh, um, an elementary art teacher, so I'm, I'm more in the middle school, high school, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm also a wildlife artist and father and husband and um, all the stuff that goes with that. So, uh, <laughs> so you're a busy man, is what I'm hearing. Oh, I'm I'm very busy, very busy. Um, you know, and then you know I got a, a lot of a lot of things involved with fishing too, so like, that keeps me keeps me on my toes. There's no no doubt about it. It's kind of a kind of an interesting balance sometimes but uh but we make it work i got a i got a uh, great wife and a uh, very understanding family and um i think that's a that's a key component uh, to be able to do what i do absolutely so tell us a little bit about your journey from fishing uh uh, basically recreationally to the place you're at now where fishing some of the tours in the state and at the national level um so you know i i'd mentioned i uh you know i grew up fishing you know lake erie had a, had a tremendous love for fishing in general but specifically walleye fishing i kind of saw lake erie come back from the dead i guess basically you know um, mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it, it was kind of an amazing thing to watch happen and uh, uh had the cottage on point peely and I, I grew up fishing all those like famous places like you know peely island and all the kelly's islands and all that stuff we'd run right across and, and, and fish those areas and uh so i had a you know, I had a had a great great experience with that, and you know, now I'm actually kind of far removed from that, and uh, I kind of miss that. But um, kind of how things happened where I got got going uh, more on a um, you know professional level and, and you know amateur level, and kind of moving into that you know moving up the ladder there. Um, you know, I started fishing club tournaments here in Alpena. I uh, in 2000 uh, about 2000 I moved up to Alpena here and uh, uh, got married and. Um, you know, I, I missed the, the walleye scene, you know, and, 
um, got in a, involved in a local club and met a couple guys, and they're like, "Hey, we got a tournament this weekend, so why don't you come out and fish?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." So, met some great people. You know, the Thunder Bay Walleye Club uh, mm-hmm. is a, it's a smaller club. Uh, it's a it's a solid club, but it's uh, we got got a great great core group of guys that, that fish uh, our local tournaments on on various waters and, and Thunder Bay and um, you know the Big Lake is you know as well, and uh, you know just kind of evolved from there. I know you know my tournament partner there, uh, Wayne Van Dyke. I do. Um, Wayne and I um, met at Elkona High School. So he was a math teacher. Um, and we worked across the hall from each other. And, uh, you know, and, and we, you know, we were always kind of friendly and talking and chatting and stuff like that. And um, that spring, we didn't really talk a ton about, you know, personal stuff that we did or whatever. Just, um, just got to know each other a little bit. And then uh, that... The, the first spring that I was working at the high school, um, we ended up fishing a tournament against each other. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, I, I did extremely well and ended up winning that event. And, um, so we, we, we kind of hit it off and, and he didn't do well at all. And so it was kind of like, Holy smokes, what did you do? You know? And, mm-hmm. um, that, that was kind of, kind of a, a cool thing. Started a, you know, a great friendship between Wayne and I were, were, you know, really, really good friends and, uh, have had a great, uh, fishing partnership ever since. And, uh, you know, we started out just like I said, the um, fishing club events, and um, you know, moving. We moved in. We we fished. Uh, uh, I believe it was the Grand National Walleye Circuit or tour, whatever they called it back then. Um, it was only around a couple of years. Okay. And uh, so we were kind of looking to get into some bigger stuff, and then we got involved with the Michigan Walleye Tour and the MWC, and. Um, just kind of, you know, let it evolve from there. And, um, he's now fishing that, you know, the, the national walleye tour as a, as a touring pro. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what my, uh, my goal here is. Um, you know, it's a little bit difficult, obviously being a, being a full-time teacher. I can't, uh, I can't get the time off necessary to pre-fish those events. And that's really, you know, really the, um, you know, a key to, <laughs> to being successful is you gotta, yeah. you gotta be able to put the time in, you know, there's, there's a, just, you know, that's the highest level there is. And there's a, just a ton of great anglers and, and, uh, you, you've got to be able to, you got to be able to put in your work and, and get things figured out or you're, or, or you're, you know, you're, you're going to be a donator. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not what I like to be. No, of course not. We're all competitive. Oh yeah. So uh question for you. Um, it's, it's cool to see kind of your journey, uh, starting out in Lake Erie and then transitioning to your new life up in Alpena fishing Thunder Bay. And um, sure. one thing I, I really stress on this podcast and, and talk to a lot of people about is uh, tournament fishing is a lot of where the innovation and uh, techniques are refined to help educate the public on better dialing in programs. So Thunder Bay, I've never fished it before, but um, I'm sure there's some unique challenges with that body of water. We have our own in Lake St. Clair, but if you could name some of those challenges associated with your home body of water and uh, maybe talk about how those challenges have transferred to knowledge you've been able to apply to tournament fishing. Okay. So, so Thunder Bay, um, it is a, um, it's an awesome fishery. Um, it, it's, it, it is extremely challenging for um, a, a, a variety of reasons. And those, and those reasons change all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people come come up to the Alpena area and and this northern um, shore of Lake Huron and, and they get overwhelmed. Um, they, they come out and um, 
the first time out and, and they, they look at it and they're like, all right, you know, we're just going to go out and it's going to be like Saginaw Bay. We're going to, we're going to set lines and troll and we're going to just catch walleyes. Well, <laughs> occasionally that can happen, but, but most of the time, um, you know, most of the time that's not the case. It's definitely a, a, a little bit more challenging. Um, there's, there's always fish in the system here, um, that, you know, different times of the year. Um, obviously we get some, uh, really good seasonal migrations out of Saginaw Bay and that, that really kind of, um, maintains our fishery here throughout mm-hmm. the summer months the the challenges with the fishery are uh, right now um the, i guess the biggest thing is is water clarity um and weather um so when you have you know dead flat calm conditions and crystal clear water where you're you're able to see 40 feet down um that poses some some real real challenges um and they can you can always catch fish um here it's you know but you you have to you have to think with an open mind and be willing to adjust your your techniques um you know on the fly and i mean sometimes you 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 know sometimes it's gut instinct sometimes it's you know uh, you'll get a little bit of a a wind switch or or something will change or you might find a a a clarity break in the water or a temperature break that kind of just cues you in on making a a decision to to change techniques I think back to um, a friend of mine, uh, Kelly Spishin, there came up at the Fish of Brown Trout Tournament. Um, the, the Brown Trout has put on a walleye tournament for years now, and um, it's, a, it's a great tournament. MWT's kind of coincided with that a few times. And, okay. Uh, he came up here with that. The, the one, one thing that stands out in my mind is we were just chatting. He came up, and, um, and I told him I'd kind of help him out and figure things out, and he's like... Um, he called, he's like, man, I, I burned almost a whole tank of gas, and I can't find dirty water anywhere. And I, <laughs> I literally laughed out loud, and I'm like, dude, you are not going to find dirty water. And if you do, you <laughs> you hit a home run, man, because mm-hmm. it, it, it's just not it's not dirty. And it, and it, you know what what some people consider stain, you you don't even find stained water here other other than in the river mouth occasionally. Um, so it's you know that's where the the main challenge come in. So. Um, as far as picking the picking the water apart and, and uh, um, figuring out where to fish, um, a lot of that is a lot of that's dictated by um, your wind um, mm-hmm. and and the the timing of, of of when you're up here and when you're fishing. Um, you know, early June those fish those fish are uh, you know scattered all the way you know from from Saginaw Bay all the way basically up to Alpena. And, you know, you can find them on any of the, any of those structural elements, those points or, um, or close by anywhere in those areas, um, all the way up, you know, that, that whole, those, those few months, um, but where they're at and, and how, um, heavily they're congregated depends on the consistency of the wind and, and what's going on at that time. So, um, you know, if you get, you get on shorter winds, uh, south winds are really good, um, they help really help push the fish up up into Thunder Bay and mm-hmm. uh, and the structure, you know, south of Thunder Bay, you know, Scarecrow Island, Black River, uh, Harrisville, all that stuff. Um, that's you know, if we get a few few days of good south wind, um, usually we usually we start to load up and, and we find good congregations of fish. Um, but it's you know, I mean, it, how you fish them and how you approach it. 
that, that's that's a whole other ball game. Sure. So when that water's pushing up with a south wind, would are you? Do you imagine that that that's due to bait being pushed up? So that time of year, not not as much. Um, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't say necessarily bait being pushed up, but what it does is it it, it gets that warmer water, and where you're going to have warmer water, you're going to have you're going to have more bait, mm-hmm. um, and you're and you're not only that, your fish are going to be more active sure. um, at that time of year because we you know a lot of times in June we're, we're going to we're still seeing water in like the fifties. Oh wow! So it's, you know, I mean, you know, early June. You know, I mean, it it it, it depends because you're you know you're you know. We're not too far from from deep water, deep cold water, and that that stuff gets pushed up onto the onto the shoreline, and um, things cool down real quick. So mm-hmm. you get if you get too much east to it, it it, it cools down, but it but it also um, it also pins it right against the shoreline. So you can find good pockets of, of warmer water, um, and, and early in the year that makes a big difference. Um, so it's you know where can you find those those pockets of water, and sometimes it's you know, on the inside turn of a, of a point, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just a small area. Um, but it's not like, like I said, it's not like Saginaw Bay where you, you know, you go down to the, you go out to the cherries and you fish the the steeples area and, you know, you know, somewhere there, there's going to be pods of fish. Sure. It's not necessarily, it's not like that. Um, you, you got to do some looking and, uh, you're not going to mark fish like you do in Saginaw Bay a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, a lot of times it's a, uh, it's a confidence thing. It's a, it's a perseverance thing, but, but they're here, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot of guys get intimidated and I, I hear a lot of, man, I just can't catch them there. And uh, it, there's, it, it's challenging. There's no doubt. Sure. So one thing I noticed fishing uh, structure and, and I can't compare apples to apples with, uh, for instance, you mentioned the steeples. Uh, I didn't, see a lot of fish on those on the electronics it's just plain hard to mark them i'm assuming you have the same challenge in that clear water in fishing some of those uh spot on spot uh structures pieces in in your area thunder bay oh absolutely um the our, our water clarity i think you know i fish i fish that bay quite a bit um, mm-hmm. not to the de- degree some of those guys do but it, it, you know it's uh um it's it's definitely I, I would still consider that home water for me really too. Sure. Um, but I fish mostly when I'm down there. I fish mostly the Outer Bay. But comparing it to, to Thunder Bay, our, I think our water clarity is up up a couple notches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, out there you can definitely you can definitely you have fantastic visibility. Um, but when you're you know up here, you know it's uh, you know I'm not kidding you. It's it's not uncommon to be able to see 35 feet down. That's insane. And, and actually see see bottom and Down in 
um, you know, Saginaw Bay or Lake Erie. You know, the guys down in Erie here running around and, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I found a school of fish. I was looking and, you know, ran a few miles this way and the graph lit up. Well, that really doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very seldom does it happen here. Um, a couple, you know, maybe once or twice a year um, when we get a good a good push of fish, you'll, you'll find them suspended in the middle of the bay and, you know, 40 or 45 feet of water, and then wow. you, can, you can mark them like that. Um, but those fish aren't aren't relating the structure like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's um, more of a, a side scan thing. You know, you'll pick them up a little bit on the side scan. Um, you looking for that shadow that they cast if they're slightly off yep, the bottom? Yeah, you're looking mm-hmm. for that little shadow, and you'll you'll um, you'll mark it. It'll it'll be just a little little more of a white chunk on it on the you know on the Lawrence, or you mm-hmm. see just a little. It, it just stands out just a little bit more. Um, and it's kind of hard to identify and it just, it just takes a lot of practice, you know, it's, sure. just, it's time with the time with your equipment. And, um, you know, we were, uh, Jake Romanek and I were, uh, filming a show this summer. Um, that'll air sometime, I think he said in February. Um, and we were up here, uh, casting the same, same kind of situation. And, uh, you know, we were just graphing some structure and, you know, happened to look and, you know, on the side scan and we had, I don't know, it looked like eight or 10 marks, bam, 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 just lit up. And I'm like, man, those are fish for mm-hmm. sure. And, uh, we went over them that not over the top of them. We went by them and we worked a little bit of a, a piece where we, we had intended to start and ended up working our way back to that spot and had, had marked it and ended up, we just, we lit them right up. They, they stayed right there. <laughs> Gotta love it. Oh man. It, it's, there's nothing like it. So um, what's, what's the primary forage for the fishery out there for the walleyes? Um, gobies by, by, by far. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, we have a, a smelt population that's, that's fairly strong and it's rebounding. Um, so, you know, more and more of those fish, um, you know, you, you can get them off of those, those sharper breaks in the deeper water, um, off of like Thunder Bay Island, Middle Island, um, up by Presque Hill, uh, down in Black River, it's a little more, you're offshore, so it's, you're not as much fishing structure elements, but, um, but there's there's definitely a, a good smelt population, um, you know that, that's increasing. It seems to be the last couple of years. But uh, primarily, um, I, primarily I'm targeting goby fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I, I've got that game. I feel like I've got that game kind of dialed in and um, kind of I know how to target those fish a little easier. Uh, when the when you're finding those those fish that are on the smelt um, and they're pushed up on a, on a bank or something, you, you know, you can, you can, and you will mark those, those clouds of bait and, and you can catch those walleyes. A lot of times there's salmon and lake trout mixed in right with them, but, um, and they tend to be really good fish, but um, I just have a lot easier time, uh, you know, dialing in the, the goby bite. And, uh, you know, I spent, spent a lot of time and a lot of hours figuring that out. And, um, you know, and, and, and I, been able to apply that to a lot of other places as well so it's kind of you know thunder Bay's taught me a lot you know it's a like i said it's a it's it's super challenging but mm-hmm. um it's, it's very rewarding um you know when you when you finally finally figure it out and are able to make something happen yeah the, uh, i follow you on social media and and one thing that kind of uh flies in the face of popular knowledge is uh, those fish not being active on the bottom. Obviously, you're working baits, whether it's swim baits or glide baits like those shiver minnows, right over the bottom, and you're getting these fish to react and absolutely smash the baits. So um, I really want to hear more about 
some of your casting technique and how you get that going. But uh, one other thing that intrigued me, some of those fish that are targeting those smelt is when do conditions dictate trolling in Thunder Bay and that surrounding area versus casting? Well, that's that's kind of an interesting question, and, and I, I'm, I'm not sure that there's a... I, I have my own answers to that. I, mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of times it's a... I think a lot of times it can be a matter of choice. Um, more and more, you know, I, I, I've, I considered myself a troller. Just like I, I wouldn't say only a troller for years, but I mean that was that was definitely my that was my area of expertise. That's my what I, you know what I specialize in. That's what I'm really really good at. Um, but more and more, you know, I consider myself a more a more versatile angler, more well-rounded, um, mm-hmm. and, and attribute that to you know same kind of stuff as you're doing you know paying attention to what what other people are doing watching social media watching you know the next bite watching you know reading in fishermen all that stuff yeah um so to answer your question um it it, it plays into conditions a lot really um you know when it's when it's dead flat calm um most of the time those fish are not going to be real active Mm -hmm. um when it's when it's flat calm and the you have low light conditions that's a different story so there's a lot of days where you know i might start out trolling you know when it's flat in the morning and i might give you know the you know if i know fish are holding on a a a big piece of structure i might make a a troll or two or hit a couple of different structural elements and then switch it up you know things don't don't happen um it's you you kind of got to know the fish are there yeah and you know, and almost go with a gut instinct in, in, in that instance. And that's what makes Thunder Bay so challenging is um, a lot of times there's not giant pods of fish. Um, and it's, you know, during tournaments, you know, you're you're working to catch your five. Mm-hmm. Um, some days are fantastic. I mean, I've had 40 fish days out there, but it's, um, you know, most of the time you're going to, you're going to, you're going to work. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you got to, you got to make those decisions on the fly. Um you know, obviously, when when the wind blows, um, a lot of guys will say, right, you know, they're gonna they're gonna fire up, and a lot of times they do. Um, but they they not only do they fire up for trolling, they also fire up for casting. So, you know, they're they're gonna get more active. That the the light, you know, doesn't penetrate the water as much, and the the fish just they go on the prowl and they start they start hunting a little bit and um, get, you know, they they're just more active and when you have a situation like that where your trolling bike could really take off, if you have an isolated piece of structure mm-hmm. that those fish are holding on and you're able to spot lock on it or anchor up on it, you can absolutely destroy them on a casting bite. Um, it, it's, it, it can be just unbelievable. Um, you know, you, if you say you have 15 or 20 fish there and you troll over it once every 15 minutes, you might get a bite every 15 minutes. Whereas in certain situations, you can catch fish almost every cast, cast. Um, so it's, you know, that's what, that's what makes it exciting. So it sounds like it's a confidence thing with getting out of a mental mindset with being constant uh, trollers. I, I know that's a very popular method here in Michigan. I kind of get stuck yeah. in that rut. I push myself out of that comfort zone. But uh, also, it's, it's a way where you can uh, more efficiently target a specific piece of structure um sometimes where we fish in lake st Clair, fish are just held tight to a very specific patch of cabbage weed and you have to grind sure. on it almost the same concept yeah it, it 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 is the same concept really it's just um like like you're saying uh 
you know, St. Clair's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't have, we don't have the same type of, uh, you know, bottom substrate for the most part as, as you do down there. And, and um, I think, you know, if, if you're looking for a casting bite that, that's where you can target spots and things, you know, we have a little easier situation to dial that in. Not to, men, not to, not to say that you can't have a fantastic bite going down there casting because I think absolutely you can. Um, but like you said, it's just it's just different. You, you, you really need to know and have confidence of where those fish are at. And you know, I, I know it, it, the casting thing for so many guys. You know, it, um, it really is it, it really is just having the confidence and the and the uh, stick to itiveness to just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know tons of guys. I want to do that. I want to do that. And they tell me all the time, I want you to take me out. I want you to, and I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I'll go. And, um, and then I'll, I'll show them, you know, and, and there's a lot of technique involved, you know, especially in the shivering. If you don't, if you don't do it, it, it it's easy. Once you figure out the, the, the rhythm and the, and the cadence that you need sure. um, to, to trip their trigger. But if you don't do it right, you won't get bit. <laughs> um, you know, and I've had, I've taken guys out and had them, had them in the boat and side by side with me and, you know, I'll catch six or eight fish and they're sitting there, you know, looking at me like, what the heck am I doing wrong? And, you know, <laughs> and sometimes it's just the, the, the smallest little thing. And so with the, with the shivering technique, um, the, the most important thing is, is when you, when you pop that bait up, you, you immediately have to drop your rod tip a couple of inches and give that just enough slack where that bait's going to reverse directions. Um, and the, when that bait reverses directions, okay, it's going down the other way. So when you pop it back up, it's coming and, and going the other direction. So you're, you're basically in essence creating a walk the dog motion underwater. Sure. If you fail to give it that little bit of slack at the, at the top end of your stroke, all that bait's going to do is it's going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And it's going to glide back down. But the, by giving it that slack, it actually flips and, and goes back down the other way. One of the things I heard you say is that you, you um, at the top of that stroke, just barely give it slack. And um, I found myself, when I was learning the technique, uh, giving it way too much bow in the line, and I couldn't feel any bites. I, I'm sure I was getting the walk the dog method, but um, I just couldn't feel anything. But there's like almost like a fine finesse with giving it just a couple inches, it seems like, to uh, have just the right amount bow in the line yep so so you give it you give it that slack and all you got to realize is that there's not really a problem if you have that slack in the line mm-hmm. and i'll tell you why here in a second but um so when you when you pop the bait and you give it that slack that bait's gonna it's coming down the other direction when you when you pop it again it's coming say you know it goes to the left and then it goes to the right you you have to give it that slack if you want it to walk the dog you know, because it actually, the bait just kind of just reverses and comes back down at a different angle. So that's what gives it that walk the dog action. Okay. Um, if you have a little bit too much slack in the line, that's not necessarily going to hurt you. You're, you're using, the, this technique is so, it, it's kind of fast paced if you don't have, you know, if you notice. And, and a lot of times those fish, when, when that bait's going down, um, they'll have that bait and you won't even feel it. I mean, they'll, They'll grab it on the slack line, you know, sometimes before you even come back up mm-hmm. um, on the, on the glide, you know. And, and if you have a, have a little bit too much slack in there, it's not necessarily gonna, um, you know, cause you to not get bit. Okay. Um, but the, the key is simply to to make sure that you give it just that little bit of slack so it, the bait 
change the direction. And then, you know, and, and then from there, it's really what does your cadence need to be? How many times do you need to pop the bait? You know, is it, do you have to pop it, you know, two, three, four? You know, sometimes I'll pop it four or five times. And then, and then you let it glide to bottom. You let it touch the bottom or stay there at yeah, any point? I, well, I do if I can. Um, and I okay. find that if, I, if I'm able to, I, I get a lot more bites. If I'm in an area, you fish Green Bay and do that. It, Green Bay is a, a slimy mess a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you hit bottom and there, you're covered in moss and it's, it's nasty. Um, but, but like up here, um, you know, I, I try, you know, and I always try it out, you know, and, and let it touch. And, um, you know, most of the time here, um, bottom's fairly clean and, uh, and you're not going to come up with a, you know, zebra mussel every single time it touches or whatever but, but um what happens when they hit when that bait hits bottom a lot of times those fish will absolutely just smash it and pin it right to bottom okay like as it hits bottom sometimes you'll you'll see your line jump mm-hmm. and that and then you'll see a jump again and that's a fish hitting that bait and just being, immediately just come up and, and hit home hard um you know it's a it's a it's a really exciting way to fish it you know if, if people haven't done it. it just uh like i said it takes a little bit of confidence and um you know, Keith Kavias has done a ton of videos on it. Uh, it's like, it's like one of his absolute favorite techniques and ways to fish. And, um, you know, it, you know, you can, you can learn a ton from watching those, those next bite videos. And, um, you know, if you, if you doubt what you're doing and, um, you know, and, and Gary Parsons has a little bit different, uh, a little bit different cadence that he likes to use. He's more, he likes to do that, that one long, one real long stroke and lift and, and then let it, and he slacks it up and then lets it glide back down the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, or almost to bottom, but it's just a little, it's just a matter of what works on any given day. Really. It's not, there's not like, Oh, this is going to work every single time. You have to be willing to make adjustments and, and change things up. And like I said, it's, it's all about having an open mindset. Yeah. So tell us about your particular setup that you use for executing the shiver technique, uh, rod line leader, anything you can clue us in on. Okay. So I, uh, I played around with some different things and, to be honest with you, you can use, you could use just about anything that you want, but what, what's going to work best for most people is going to be something in the, the six foot, uh, six and a half foot range. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the majority of the time. Um, I use either a six foot three, um, Denali myriad with, with an extra fast tip, um, medium action, or I use a Denali lithium drop shot rod, like a seven footer. Um, and that's just, it's a little bit longer. Um, and, and it's light, um, and I really, I really like that rod. The, the extra fast tip is kind of a key to um, being able to drive a hook home. Um, you know, you're, you're fishing, you know, with those shiver minnows, you, you can make long bomb casts. I mean, you can cast forever. Yep. And, you know, you might hook a fish that's two, 300, well, I don't know about 300, but 200 <laughs> feet from the boat, uh-huh. you know. And, and, I mean, I've done it, and, it, you, you know, you, you pop the bait two times, and all of a sudden, bam, and you're like, holy smokes, you know, <laughs> you're, and you're way out there. Um, so I use 12-pound Sunline P8 um, most of the time. Um, they've got a new plasma that I'm going to try this year, too. Um, and I, I use a 16-pound fluorocarbon leader. Got you. So your main line, uh, your yeah, super yeah. braid is lighter. My main line is 12-pound 12 pound braid um, for the for the shivering, and then I use the uh, the 16 pound Sunline um, Super Sniper uh, fluorocarbon, mm-hmm. um, which is amazingly abrasion resistant. Um, the reason you use that fluorocarbon is that you know you're especially up here you're fishing in zebra mussels, you're fishing in rocks, um, you're fishing you know with the 
know, the walleyes are, you know, obviously got big teeth and, and um, you know, can nick stuff up real easily if, oh, yeah. if you're using a lighter line or a, a mono. Um, so I stick with that, that little bit heavier fluorocarbon and the, that sunline's really thin and it, it's just unbelievable um, as far as abrasion resistance, like I said. And um, I always tie direct. Uh, if you if you don't tie direct, you know, it's not the end of the world, but what happens is, is your bait's going to roll over onto your onto your uh, main line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you use a if you use a clip, um, it, with you use that you use that stiff fluorocarbon, it's coming it, it's attached like to the bait and it comes right up out of the bait. You know, you have a nice tight line there. So, when that bait rolls over, it doesn't roll over with the swivel and then grab your line. Okay, it actually rolls over and the line kind of follows the eyelet of the bait and kind of stays out of the way a little bit more. Not to say that it doesn't happen occasionally, because it does, but you'll you'll find that it definitely makes a difference if you die direct. One one thing I forgot to ask you is, um, do you upgrade your your bottom hook, the treble on the shiver minnows, to the triple grip like the next white guys do? I, I do. Um, I, I either use a, the that, the short shank triple grip uh, number four, or I'll use like a um, a number four uh, EGW Gamagatsu. Great um, hooks. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, fantastic hook and and the reason for that is you know i mean you know if you if you anybody's paying attention to the all the, the shivering crazes you know that that shiver minnow was was invented as an ice fishing bait it was uh you know not not really intended to be a casting bait um so and and it, and it continues to be produced as a as an ice fishing bait but um obviously there's a lot of a lot of guys casting them yeah so those hooks are, are that come on the bait stock are, are smaller and uh you know, you can still catch fish. I've caught them on there when I, when I didn't, I was being lazy and didn't change a hook. But uh, <laughs> that that big hook, um, you know, you, you got a you got a one ounce bait, and you know, you hook a fish, you know, 100 feet from the boat, and that fish is thrashing and throwing that one ounce bait around. And if you got a little tiny hook in there that's just barely pinned in the skin, <laughs> you know, you're probably going to lose that fish. So mm-hmm. if you have a you got that beefier, you know, more stout um, triple grip on there or, or that EGW. Or EWG, sorry, um, that's gonna that's gonna get in the get through the bone, and it's gonna pin those fish up good, and you're gonna have a, a lot more uh, a lot better chance to land that fish, you know. Oh yeah. So, have you ever applied the shiver minnow uh, technique to uh, fishing open water basins? Um, I, I, you mentioned Green Bay and, and it kind of being slimy out there. Lake Saint Clair, it's either big weed beds or you have mud and sand flats. Have you applied it in similar conditions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I've even got a local, a, a local lake here. Um, I fish, you know, I fish Hubbard Lake all the time too. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic little gem there. It's kind of kind of hidden hidden up here in Northeast Michigan. It's kind of hard to get to, but it's a it's an awesome place. Um, but those fish uh, in the summertime, um, a lot of you'll you'll see a lot of fish belly right down, and you know even in even down in, in sixty feet of water. And uh, a lot of times we'll just cruise around and, and you mark a fish and you, you cast right out the back of the boat and let the bait drop to bottom and pop it a few times and boom. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, you, but you're hunting them with the graph when you're doing that. Sure. Because, I mean, you know, it's a little different situation. But, uh, but you know, if, it's just like, uh, you know, if, if you can identify, you know, transition areas like, uh, on, you know, where, you, where you, you go from, you know, sand to mud or you know rock to sand or something like that where you know there's fish holding and you you've identified those areas mm-hmm. those are areas that you, you know you could target you know in a more open basin um you know so uh, 
you know, you have the, the bottom, the where the bottom makeup changes a little bit. Those are, if, if you're able to identify that type of stuff, I, I think you're able to, you're able to key in on those fish um, a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, and anytime you mark fish, you know, if, you, if you're in a, in a lake or a place where you're able to, you know, see fish on your graph mm-hmm. and they're on bottom, you can catch them on a shiver metal. Sure. Um, you can catch them on, and, or any other casting bait for that matter. But that for, for whatever reason, uh, those, those shiver metals just fire those fish up. I, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to explain until, <laughs> until you've had it happen. You're, you know, it's dead calm out and it's 85 degrees and you're like, there's nothing in the world that's going to bite today. And, you know, you, you find a, an isolated rock pile or, or, or a point where you, you think there's some fish hidden or buried down the rock and all of a sudden they just fire up. And it's that, that shiver mental, that action just picks them off. And it's a, it's an instinctive strike. And, um, it's just, it's cool when it happens. There's no doubt. Yeah. So, um, just to encourage some of our listeners that may be native to Southeast Michigan fish, Lake St. Clair, I recall I was fishing out near the South channel out on a mud basin and I was marking fish towards the bottom. A lot of trollers out there. And, um, I decided, you know, I need to get better at casting just to be a better well-rounded angler. Uh, so what I did is I went out there, I marked fish, I marked perch, which what they were feeding on locked up on there with uh, my motor guide. And I still had my rod trees out. I had trollers by me and most of the guys out on Lake St. Clair, like trolling crawler harnesses and crankbaits. I got people thinking I'm, I'm fishing for bass or I'm on crack or something, but, uh, I'm just, they're like, what the heck is this guy with rod trees doing here? Casting shiver minnows or whatever the heck he's doing. But I'm telling you, anyone that's listening, it really does work out there. Uh, the big thing is finding those fish on the bottom. You can grind on them. Uh, if you find some of the better fish, what I like to do, it sounds kind of silly, but you mark them on your electronics, put that motor in neutral, slam it in reverse, and you got a bubbles. Well, that's a nice spot where you just mark those fish, move off it a little bit, and then cast right on them. And uh, definitely get out of, out of your comfort zone and uh, try something new here because casting is very effective. There's a handful of guys I know on the lake that apply it. Uh, but as you can hear from what Eric's sharing with us, it's able to be applied Inland lakes, Great Lakes, and across the U.S. for these walleye fisheries. So definitely something to check out. Um, wanted to pick your brain out more about casting. Do you have any go-to baits? Obviously, the Shiverman knows a huge piece, but um, name a couple of other of the other casting baits that you like to use and uh, when the conditions call for them. Sure. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge swim bait fan, um, and... Uh, <sighs> You, you always you always give me the when the conditions call for it and, and it's it's a great that's a great question and and uh, a lot of a lot of those decisions i make are kind of instinctive with the weather and, and the and, and what's going on or how the fish are reacting to what your presentation is at that time mm-hmm. um i typically have i'll have four or five rods rigged up with different casting presentations when i go um i sometimes have the intention of maybe shivering and I get there and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to throw a swim bait on this rock pile. <laughs> you know, so I, in a lot of that, I think a lot of it's gut instinct, a lot of it's, uh, um, you know, confidence, um, yep. in, in just a certain situation for whatever that reason might be. But, um, so I, I'm a huge swim bait fan. Um, swim baits work, 
um, you know, and all, everything I'm going to talk about here in a second is, is they they all work at uh, you know throughout the entire year. It's you know, I mean, swim bait might not be the greatest thing to jig through the ice, but um, <laughs> spring through fall um, and all through the summer, a swim bait catches fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll talk about ripping wraps too. That's just another phenomenal bait that that's you know can be off the hook at times. Yeah, um, and uh, it, you just don't always know on any given day what what the trick's going to be okay um i had you know i mean i've had stretches where i'd go for for a week or two weeks and just do nothing but smash fish on shiver minnows and then it's like well dang i can't get a bite and then i'll switch up to a swim bait and bam they're on again Hmm. and or you know i had we had you know wayne wayne and i fished a tournament uh out of port austin we we actually got a little crazy and we we ran all the way across the lake back up north here and uh (laughs) Just some, well, you know, we're, we're competitors, and we knew the, we knew that there was winning fish up sure. here in, in the system up here. And Makes sense. We we had you know that perfect roll of the dice with the weather, and, and you know, we had you hardly ever have conditions like we had those couple of days, and, and uh, we just decided to do it. Uh, the uh, but we went up, and you know, this is a kind of a perfect example of what we're talking about. We come up, and, and the first day, those fish wanted nothing to do with anything but a, a big six-inch swim bait. And and when they ate it, they ate it. I mean, down the throat, bye-bye. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it, the thing is, like, you know, you know, we're fishing a tournament, so you're looking for those biggest fish. But you also know that there's a chance you might not get those fish. And so we ended up that first day, we got five bites. And uh, they were good ones, and we, you know, the first day we were leading, um, and uh, you know, had I had one real good one pushing nine pounds there, and, and uh, wow, you know, the next the next day, um, you know, we get out there and same kind of situation, it's dead flat calm, and I start out with a swim bait, I'm not getting hit, not getting touched, nothing, 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 and um, I had one that one hit and i rolled him and and lost him and then mm. wayne you know, we both started throwing a swim bait that day and we're like all right the, you know we could actually could see some fish and you know wayne started throwing a rip and wrap second or third cast he stuck a good one on a rip and wrap you know and we uh we actually struggled that day but uh all almost all of our bites that day came on rip and wraps no kidding and, and that day i could not get a fish to go on a shipper minnow at all so <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh um but we had, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, I think it's conditional. Um, and, I, you know, I, 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 I let the fish really kind of tell me what's going on. I usually have an idea what I'm going to throw um, or what I want to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's super, super important to have, a, a, you know, an open mindset and, a, you know, an attitude like, hey, I'm going to, especially if you're just going to, if you're going to cast and teach yourself to do this, you know, be prepared to, you know, throw three or four different baits and different styles of baits and, um, and, and go do that. And, and the best thing you can do to build your confidence, you know, for, you know, for, for anybody that wants to get into um, casting and having more success with that, the best thing to do is, is go into a situation where, you know, you know, there's fish, you know, you know, you've caught fish on a piece of structure, you know, you, you, you're pretty confident that they're, they're close to bottom and, and go and cast that and, and get, get a few bites, get, catch four or five, six fish. And, and you're going to, you're, you're going to have a little bit better understanding of what you're doing. And it's, it's going to help you build that confidence to do that. I got, I've got so many friends that they, they know that I do it and they know I have success doing it and they just, 
they talk like they want to do it and they go by the rods and they go by the lures and they still don't do it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like, I'm like, you guys just got to go. You got to do it. It's just that simple. And, and, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm still a troller. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big time troller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, fishing, fishing the tournaments is, you know, and you know, all over the place, uh, has has made me just a way more well-rounded angler. I mean, all the way across the board. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be you know half half the angler I am or have half the success I had I've, I've had without um, without those tournament experiences. Uh, and I know that you know not everybody's a tournament fisherman. Well, I don't like you know I don't like the competition. Or, you know, tournament fisherman. Blah, 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 blah. But that's I, I do it just as much to learn. Mm-hmm. as i you know as i do to compete and, and it's just it's been a great experience so far and you know i'm like i said looking looking to looking to still do more but right now right now i'm just uh you know trying to trying to have fun and, and work with the work with the sponsors that i've got and um do a good job for them and and uh you know it's kind of kind of what i like what i like to do so yeah well obviously it's uh paying off you've had some good success in your career and uh and you're having a lot of fun doing it too uh question for you when you're swim baiting and you're targeting these fish with the swim baits are you slow rolling those or do you employ more of like a walk the dog yo-yo type sweeping pattern uh mostly i I have most of my success sweeping the bait Mm -hmm. um um, sometimes popping it uh occasionally kind of walking along bottom but um you know, I, I know a lot of guys. You know, um, you know, talk about slow rolling it and getting hit on a steady retrieve. And I, and I don't know if it's a, you know a matter of where I'm fishing. You know, I think the, the gobies kind of do a little more darting around than a lot of, um, you know, in the rocks and kind of things. I, sure. I think the that popping action kind of trips their trigger a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I have more success with a sweep. A lot of times I'll I'll sweep it really hard. Um, and back to your, you know, the question about, you know, what do I'm using, what I'm using for this shivering setup. Um, you know, it's a little bit different with the, the swim bait, okay. um, with a swim bait rod. Um, and, and like I said, you can use anything, you know, any rod that you want, you know, but, um, ease of use, uh, you know, I'm going with the longer rod. I use a seven, six, um, extra fast, uh, and, and I'm using a Denali Myriad there for that for that as well. Okay. I think it's a great rod at a, at a really good price point too for for what you get. It's a it's a great setup. But um, the that seven six gives you a great leverage. It's it's got a, a, the backbone in it is in a perfect spot for those big swim baits. Um, you know I can throw a you know a one ounce head or an ounce and a half head with a six inch tail and and I can I can throw it and I can sweep it and I can get a good hook set, or I can throw a you know a three eighths or a half ounce head and, you know, have the same, same success. But I, I really, I really like that rod for doing that. Um, and, and I, especially with those bigger, those bigger, heavier baits, you need, you need to have that leverage. You need to have that little bit longer rod, I think. Mm-hmm. Are you throwing Kytec plastics or what kind of swim tails are you putting on those big, heavy uh, baits? <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing, I'm throwing Kytec, the fat impact. Yep. I'm throwing Berkeley rib sheds, the, the big, long swim sheds, mm-hmm. um, big bite suicide shed, uh, Z-Man, or uh, not Z-Man, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Z-Man. <laughs> I, I, I always get messed up by G-Man, Z-Man. He, you know, Swindle's a bass guy, but these are uh, Z-Man plastics. They're, uh, uh, 
they're a real they're they're made by a company called Elastec. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, crazy good bait. Um, they they hold up just exceptionally well. Um, there, there, there's an issue with them though, and not really an issue, but they uh, if you mix them with other plastics, they like melt the other plastic. <laughs> I've never seen anything so like gotta, that. Yeah, so so you you know you don't you don't want to mix them with another type of a you know a plastic, or you don't want to put them in a you want to keep them in their original container. But but I'll tell you what, there's something else too. So but I've had just I've had success on all those, um, and uh, you know and I throw them on you know I throw them on like I said heads that vary depending on the water depth um, from usually usually half half ounce to an ounce typically. But I, you know I've I've even got two ounce heads. Wow. Um, I've, I've tried and, and I've caught fish in some exceptionally deep water. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, that, that's sometimes that's more just of a challenge. I'm like, I know there's some fish down there. I'm going <laughs> to see if I can get one in 55 feet of water, you know, <laughs> but I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. I've jigged up yeah. small walleyes out of 73 foot hole in the St. Clair river. Some guys probably can guess right where it is. And uh, sometimes oh, it's yeah. just good to press, press yourself and get yourself out of the comfort zone. Um, and I oh, just yeah, I sure. just got to ask. So for your sweeping action that you find success with, are you more of slow sweeping it, or uh, I know you you mentioned you sometimes mix in pops there, but uh, explain that stroke for us. So, um, a lot of times it depends on it depends on if I'm kind of fishing like a a, a rock flat. I don't it's kind of I don't know if that something makes sense to you, but yeah. you'll have these like you'll have rocks kind of strewn over a flat area, not, not really like a, a big, long sweeping flat, but it'll be just rocks kind of loosely strewn. I'll usually use a real long, like side, like even a sideways sweep, okay. you know, kind of, kind of fast and aggressive. And, and, uh, as opposed to when I'm fishing a little bit more of a, um, a rockier structure where you, you got boulders and kind of a, a, a mix of different size stuff, I'll use more of a, like a, a pop and, and, I think the biggest thing is to for people that are listening is to think of yourself as the bait. Mm-hmm. Try and think of yourself. I'm a goby, and and I'm <laughs> I'm hurting, uh-huh. <laughs> but I don't want to get eaten by a walleye. So you're trying to get away. So you, so you, I think that's that's for me. I think that's the key to 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 getting that bait to have a real act, you know, a realistic presentation. It's pretend you're the bait, and uh, you know, and and, and that's. I, you know, like I said, I think that's the key. Um, whenever I, whenever I'm struggling, I'm like, all right, what am I, what am I doing? How is, how is this bait? I start, I start asking myself, how, is, what is this bait looking like in the water? You know, what, how does this look down there to a fish? And then, you know, if you're just, if you're just casting and making some random retrieve, you're not really doing yourself any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know, I know for a fact because I watch guys do it. Uh, you know, I know that that happens. Yeah. They're out just throwing it out. And and you you can catch fish doing that, but you're gonna you're gonna have a lot more success if if you become the bait. So. I think that's a really good tip for guys trying to uh, learn the mindset and impart the right action to trigger these fish. Mm-hmm. Is keep keep in mind what you're trying to do there and and uh, how you're trying to emulate baits that are being targeted by these walleyes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So this next portion, I kind of wanted to get inside the mind of Eric Carlson, if we can. <laughs> and uh, what I want to do is give you a proposed situation on a uh, sunken piece of structure. So um, okay. you're uh, you're fishing in a uh, in a bay, and uh, there's a sunken rock point, and you have uh, wind coming from uh, the south end of it, and then um, the east 
northeastern end of it is towards the big lake. Based on the wind, where would you think those walleyes would be positioned on that structure? A lot of my experiences is that those those walleyes are on the they're they're sitting right on the windward side of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, and it, it, it just kind of just kind of everything that you that I've always read and heard and experienced is those 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 walleyes tend to sit right on the right right into the wind, right into the current, and and if if there's a current there. Okay. Um, and, and they're on top of that, and, and those are going to be your aggressive fish. Not to say that there can't be fish anywhere else, but, uh, you know, rarely do I try and, you know, try and approach that from behind and, and fish the fish the downwind side. I'm usually fishing the windward side. And depending on, you know, depending on the, the type of bait I'm throwing and the, and the velocity of the wind and the wave situation, um, you know, you can, you can pick it apart from different angles, mm-hmm. you know, but... You know, if you, if it's super windy, I'm gonna be directly upwind, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make my casts kind of. I'll start out and and just kind of quarter them as much as I can, where I can still feel my bait and, and and get a feel for what's going on. You know what I mean? Got you. That, that's that's kind of how I usually approach those situations, and and, and that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanna if if you wanna cast a certain piece of structure and it's windy, you know you you, you know you just kind of figure out know what are you targeting and if you the 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 better you know a piece of structure obviously the better too you know because you've got you might have a you might have a good spot it might be a small spot but there might be a couple of spot on the spots on that Mm -hmm. you know and if like you know i was talking you know about we talked about thunder bay um you know a lot of times there's not a ton of fish in the system here yet like early in the year there's not as many fishes you know there's not as many fish in late may and early june as there is in you know, mid to late June, there's just not. So that becomes all the more crucial that you hit those key, key spots, mm-hmm. you know, because those are where, those are the spots that the fish are most likely to be. Got you. So you're positioning your boat upwind or up current if possible and try to hit those active fish first on the uh, yep. windward side or current side. And then, yep. uh, and, and on top of that, um, usually, well, <laughs> not usually, almost always I'm, I'm trying to, I'm starting, I'm starting a ways off of it, Okay. you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to go run up on a piece of structure and, you know, zoom up there and scare every fish in the world and, you know, and, and get right on it and, and, and do that. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to make those casts and it, especially it's you know, especially helpful if you got two guys in the boat and, yeah. you know, you obviously got more lines going and um, you're, you're presenting those baits further out off of that edge and mm-hmm. then you're working your way up on it and um, you're, you're covering that more thoroughly. I think that's a better situation than to start on it and then work off of it. One thing I know that you like to do, Eric, is uh, you're an offshore tackle guy. You're a big troller, as you mentioned earlier. And I've got to imagine there's some unique stuff that you do to target fish up that way, and maybe listeners can apply it to our home waters, wherever that may be. Um, so I love pulling offshore boards. I know you do too. But break down some of the trolling stuff that you do for listeners. Okay, so, you know, you, you, you can't even I can't even imagine walleye fishing without offshore tackle. I mean, it's <laughs> can't it's uh, it, it's mind blowing to even think how many walleyes they've they've helped people put in their boats. But uh, oh yeah, you know, up in the in the Alpena area, and, and this applies to lots of areas. But um, you know, we talked before our water is exceptionally clear. I mean, exceptionally clear. Some of the most unbelievable freshwater clarity you'll you'll see anywhere. Um, so, I think the the, the key to um, trolling success up here, 
um, for me. And I actually, I think I did an article. I know, in fact, I know I did an article um, a couple of years ago in the offshore release. Um, is um, you know, there, there's there's three key things. I'll start with the distance first because that's kind of like people are like, what's distance? Um, you know, you're, and, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about your your lead length. So I just through observation and, and you know years of fishing up here, um, kind of you know you know who's fishing and who has a lot of success and who doesn't, and mm-hmm. um, and, and you talk with people and kind of pick up on what they're doing and what they're not doing and. You know, and I've got a lot of friends to share info with. And what I what I really noticed is that um, a few of us, um, you know, kind of run the same types of programs. And I run my baits exceptionally far back. Um, if I have a situation where it's you know, you know, bright sun, it's high water, you know, high clarity, um, which is most of the time, and that that's an absolute key to getting bit. Mm-hmm. So where you might be able to get a bait to depth really quickly with a with a heavy weight um you know say you want to say you could you could get it down with a, a two ounce snap weight and um what, whatever given depth it is and but i can double or triple that length if i straight line it or if i you know add a half ounce guppy weight to it you know i'm getting more line out you know behind my board mm-hmm. okay so you know that sounds like counterproductive but if you're not getting bit, it's not counterproductive. Right. right. So, you you it, it, you know, and we're talking those days when it's when it's tough, you know, and, and you know you the the fish are boat shy. Um, maybe there's boat traffic involved, and that's always that that can always shut a bite down up here. Um, so getting your bait back from your boat, uh, you know, behind your board is, is absolutely crucial. Whether that's a crawler hunter or whether it's a stick bait or you know. A, you know, a deep diving bait, bandit, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, you know, a, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the trolling success I have, I, I have uh, long lining, um, you know, not long lining them off the boat, but getting my baits way, way behind the boards. Um, the other key, um, you know, it, well, one of the other keys is getting those baits way, way, way away from the boat. So we're talking 200 plus feet away from the boat. Wow. So, oh yeah. yeah. You're sending so, it. So now that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but on, on days when it's tough and days when it's, when people are struggling and it's bright out and it's calm out, um, that is sometimes the only way I will catch fish. And I've had honest, I've had days where I've caught maybe 15 or 20 fish and I've caught every single one of them in a six board set on an outside board every single fish and you're and i'm talking about running baits you know 150 200 feet behind the boards wow so and and it's just and I, i've just noticed that over the years and picked that up and paid attention to it and it, and it's definitely a thing um you know and that's it's hard for people to um kind of come to grips with that you know they don't want to run you don't want to run 350 feet of line out or 400 feet of line out behind your behind your you know off your off your boat you know it's just unless you're a uh, salmon guy no you don't you know <laughs> and, and uh, right so but like i said sometimes that's the sometimes that's the key um and uh you know the the other the other um the other component to that is um getting those baits dialed in on you know right close to bottom so you know you want you want your baits right off bottom if you're targeting these goby fish. If you're targeting suspended fish that are on smelt. That's different. Um, 
you know, that's a, that's a different topic, but the, when you're targeting these goby fish, you know, you need to, you need to know where you're at. You need to know, you know, the type of structure you're fishing, what your contours are like, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to be banging into rocks? Um, you really need to, you really need to be contacting bottom every once in a while. Um, you know, typically to get bit and that sometimes means you might hang a bait up or you might lose a bait once in a while but you know it's not much different than burning through a you know a couple dozen crawlers yeah you gotta pay to play sometimes <laughs> that's right that's right so the uh but you know and uh, in over the last few years what i've done also is i've i think about eh, three or four years ago um i started running um the twist method um you know on my offshore board so uh, you basically put uh three to four twists um you know, i wrap it around my you know line do a loop around my finger and twist it three or four times and put the uh, loop forward in my or 19 release the orange release yep um and you know and then i, I you know just like you would on, on a tattle flag system you put a little little loop in the, you know a little bit of a bow in the line so your flag can still go down and then you know, hook it up to that OR-16 on the back. And then what that release does is it allows you to um, move and manage boards um, without clearing an entire side. You know, if you hook up a fish and you got all those long those long leads, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's really easy to get tangled up really bad oh. um, if you're, if you know, with, with, when, you're, when you're running real long like that. So what, what that, you're releasing that board, um, you know, you basically pick, you can pick that rod up or sometimes the fish will even release it if it's a good one. Um, that board will just slide back out of formation and it still allows you to keep pressure on the fish. So you're, you're fighting the fish, not the board. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, like I said, that, that fish drops back, falls out of formation and you don't, you don't hook it into your other lines as it's coming in. Um, that also rigging them like that also allows you to change baits. So say you want to, check a bait or change a bait um you can pop and release that board and i'll just pop it sit in the rod holder let that board swing back behind the boat and when it clears the other lines you can reel it right up the back of the boat so it makes shuffling the boards much more simple and more efficient oh it it, it, tremendously Mm -hmm. it it, tremendous difference and you know especially like in a tournament situation it's, it's a time management thing yep um you know, you can waste a ton of time, and time is money, man. You can you sure know, if, you, if you're if you're out of the water, you're not fishing, and um, it just it makes a makes a huge difference. I haven't seen any uh, haven't seen any um, negative aspects to doing that. You know, when I first started doing that, I questioned how how well my line would hold up. You know, after running and twisting the line and twisting it and twisting it, and you know, I mean, if you're it's just like anything else. You know, if you're maintaining your stuff and your equipment and you know, I change my line several times. Yeah, I don't know how many times a year, but several probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I never have an instance where I go out there with my stuff in good shape and then have lines break off. You know, because of that. You know, um, I, that's not that's not ever been an issue. Sure. So a big piece is being proactive with preventative maintenance on on your tackle, yeah. on your systems yeah. to make sure that they're performing. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking earlier um, today. You know, your your line, not just today, but all the time when you're fishing your line is like your critical link um you know you know and i talk to guys they're like oh how much is that line oh that's too expensive oh, how much is that line your line your line is your link to the fish mm-hmm. so that that's one thing that you know you don't want to go cheap on in my opinion yeah you want to you want to make sure you've got good stuff 
you want to make sure it's you know it's fresh um and if you're fishing a lot like you know we do and um you know change it you know you got bulk spools and you know don't be lazy and <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just that simple mm-hmm. um you know i uh you know we we're talking the using using the offshore boards and stuff like that and uh you know the, the i use the, the precision trolling data uh, is, is a just a phenomenal tool as well great tool and, i mean i can't say enough about that those guys they hit a home run when they when they started they put that out uh, oh yeah it's uh it's a, it's an absolute you know lifesaver game changer whatever you want to call it but uh um you know that that's a you know especially for you know setting up a you know a crankbait situation and, and that it really gives you a, a guide and helps you dial in your your presentations and, and depths and gives you a starting point um you know we we're still talking about the the offshore uh, boards um and i'm a huge proponent of the tattle flags um I, I think some guys you know i know when it first came out oh they're gimmicky but you don't need that in essence i think those those boards are um or the the tattle flag system in its most basic you know reasoning is you know that flag's going to tell you when you got to fish but i i you know i i view it as much more than that um i I use it as a tool to make sure my boards are running clean um i use it as a tool to um gauge whether or not my baits are occasionally hitting bottom um and if you didn't have a flag you could probably see your board banging once in a while if you hit a big rock but with those tattle flags if you if especially with the the new the new flag with the, the multiple holes there you can you can dial that in so precisely if you take the time to do it that you can you can see your bait hitting bottom you can see that thing ticking bottom that flag will just tick 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 and you can see it bouncing off of rocks yeah and you know if you're in the zone you know and i mean you you know i can tell if i'm you know you know for instance we were down on, on erie um fishing that uh, ntc a couple of years ago and we were in the we got into an area where there were some small fish and we're pulling, we were pulling bandits and reef runners with four ounce, three and four ounce snap weights behind the offshore boards. Mm-hmm. And we were occasionally catching these, you know, small walleyes. And I mean, small, like, you know, 10 to 14 inches. And <laughs> with, with that kind of weight and that kind of crankbait, you know, if you don't have a, a system set up like that, you're going to, you're going to be pulling a dead bait around for a long time. Yeah. Um, you can't you can't tell when you're pulling a 10 inch walleye when you have that kind of load on that you know it's just uh you know, so i think that's a really really a critical component same thing with you know pulling weeds mm-hmm. um trolling weed beds and stuff which you do on st Clair all the time you know? oh yeah but, uh, the uh you know i i you know i firmly believe that those are those are critical for for me you know i know there, i know lots of guys that don't use them and I don't. I don't think necessarily a lot of those guys have as much success fishing those situations sometimes. But it, it tells you when you're into perch, you can see the flag just tat 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 tat. Yep. And you you and rather than pulling for a, an eighth of a mile or a quarter mile over that weed bed, you can immediately reel it in, check it. Oh, it's got a perch. Oh, my crawler's gone. <laughs> oh, it's weeded up. You know, you can, boom, you're right back in action. So it's a big big proponent of that there's there's no no doubt about it it's changed the way i fished and uh, one thing i really love about those offshore boards is not only can they pull those big deep diving crankbaits with three four ounce weights but they can also Uh finesse those those uh, spinners with quarter ounce eighth ounce inline weights and you're still able to get those light bites ticking the weed tops and the all-important flag drop for when that walleye bites that's Absolutely, just... it's such a it's such a versatile tool, and, and I think uh, 
you know, it's been around so long. They've been around so long. I think a lot of us just take take it for granted how you know how important they are to to us as, as trollers, and uh, especially in the Great Lakes area. You know, and, um, you know, you go to Minnesota, and those guys are like, "What's an offshore bird?" You know, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they control, they can fish with one rod. They're like, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> so, but uh, but uh, so yeah, no, they're uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely crucial in the in the bag of tricks for sure. So I don't want to start a knife fight between you and your teammate Wayne, but uh, who started the twisty loop orange release trick first, you or your teammate? Well, if he, well, Wayne Wayne's about as honest of a guy as I know, <laughs> and uh, I, I would have to tell you that he would tell you that I, that I, I I got that going with us. So, oh, and that, that's not to say that there's anything that that you need to do that you need to do that twist trick, but. It, for, for people that haven't tried it, man, it's a, it makes, it makes things so much more efficient. Um, and I don't really, I really haven't found a situation where I need to change things up. You know, if I'm, if I'm pulling lead core for steelhead and salmon or whatever, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm running the OR 18 clips, those big ones, the snappers, um, the big snappers. Yeah. Big, yep. run the big snapper release. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a set of boards for doing that and that's going to help save your, save your uh, wires on your tattle flag and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. but um but other than that you know i mean i've i've pulled heavy weeds and been dealing with you know 40 inch northerns and well you probably deal with muskies and stuff all the time oh yeah um you know and and i haven't had any issues with the with with releasing them like that and haven't had any issues with the you know things getting busted up at all so um, but you know, the one, the one thing that I could give as a tip, uh, as, as far as running and, and checking and maintaining your, your, uh, offshore boards is, um, you know, they, they make, um, replacement pads, um, for those clips. So they're not really that hard to change. You know, if you got a little vice, you can put it in a little vice and crank it down just a little bit till you, the, the release opens up and you can pop that pad out with a, a screwdriver and scrape out any excess that's in there and uh, take a little dab of super glue and replace the pad and you got brand new release. Perfect. Um, you know, you know, because they, you know, it's just like anything else. It wears out, just like your your fishing line or your brakes on your car, right? Yeah. So it's that's 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 something that's easy to do, and you know, all those components, you know, they're they're not cheap, and they're not made cheap. They're they're uh, they're made well, and and made in USA. Do a job, and yeah, they're made in the USA, and they're they're made to do a job, and they do it well. So, um, you know, I always try and take care of that stuff. So, absolutely. Yeah, for some of our listeners that are club members, uh, a couple of the guys in uh, Lake St. Clair Walleye Association will tune your boards up right for you, and uh, we've got repair kits. We'll take care of you. So uh, definitely stay tuned at future meetings, and we'll uh, we'll take care of you. Offshore believes in their products, and, and they want to make sure that the folks are out there to help keep you on the water and fishing as effectively as possible. So see me or uh, maybe see Jeff Vantori. We can help you out. And same same thing up here. I've got a I've got an offshore tackle repair kit as well. So up in the Alpena area, and I'd uh, be happy to help anybody out when they're up here fishing or whatever. They can contact me as well. So that's a great resource. We appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Cool. That's that's you know that's a that's a cool thing about fishing. And you know what, you know you you get a little bit older and you you get a little more time under your belt and you, you realize it's not about hey I'm going to see how show everybody how good I am. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, you know, it's more about you know sharing your sharing your interests and your passion yeah. for fishing and and uh, you know I uh, it, it, I just enjoy and enjoy you know talking with people and, and sharing tips and and giving them ideas and um, it's uh, 
that's that's become become a lot of it you know for me as well so but i i still got that that fierce uh that fierce competitor in me too so it's kind of <laughs> it, you got you got to walk that line but yeah. you know i mean i uh I don't know. I just, I enjoy, enjoy all aspects of it, I guess. So, Yeah. It's a passion and it's a good way to uh, give back to people and get people outside and enjoying the outdoors and uh, nothing like being on the water either. So sure. especially our, especially our kids, man, we got to make sure that we're, we're getting our younger, our younger generation on the, you know, out in the water and, you know, and as outdoorsmen out in the water, in the woods, whatever, but, um, you know, and try and get them off of those video games as much as possible. <laughs> yep. Because, uh, you know, that's, that's where the future's at and, that next generation super important they're going to be making decisions on the you know on you know about you know fisheries and about hunting and you know and they need to be informed and have those experiences firsthand and to be able to you know make make wise choices and understand what they're what they're you know looking at and making decisions on absolutely they're the ones that are going to be carrying the torch when we're old and gray and we'll be asking them to take us out fishing yeah 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 hopefully (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, uh, awesome. And I, I just want to thank you so much, Eric, for your time and uh, interviewing with us, talking about how to approach structure, uh, whether it's trolling with some of those offshore products or uh, casting with glide baits, the shiver minnows, the swim baits. It's just been a really cool learning experience. And I truly hope that anyone that's listening is able to download some knowledge in your head and apply it to different waters. These are very versatile techniques. And I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone. If you've never tried casting for walleyes, uh, you might learn something and you might be able to be more efficient and stay on the right fish. If you're fishing a, a fun club tournament or even a competitive event. So definitely check that out. Something to consider. And, um, Eric, just thank you so much for your time on the podcast. We really appreciate you being on walleye world. I, I certainly appreciate you having me, Rob. It's been a, 